Welcome to CruxCast. Whether you're in your car, at work, or at home, we hope you enjoy this interview. And if you do, you can find more like it on cruxinvestor.com. So please subscribe. We speak today to Mark Selby, Nickel Market Commentator, also CEO of Canada Nickel Corp, their TSXV listed Nickel Explorer. We talked today about the fact that nickel price has gone up past $7 a pound. We've looking at the fundamentals and momentum behind that and what's driving it and how long that is sustainable for. Is it synthetic or not? We look at some of the players in the marketplace, uh, all of whom are benefiting from this high price environment and the sudden interest from generalist uh, newspaper coverage, such as the FT's article this week. Uh, we also talk about some of the investment strategies that you can employ, things to look for, things to avoid. Hope you enjoy it. Mark Selby, how are you, sir? Excellent. Another exciting week in the nickel market. S- seems to be. Seems to be. So w- where are you today? Uh, I'm in Timmins. I'm, I'm up at our project site. So it's the uh, second time I've been up here since uh, since COVID. Um, so it's good. We're drilling. The things have dried out enough in the area where a project is. So there's some areas we weren't able to get to. So we've completed drilling underneath this, this really good PGM intersection that we hit. And then we're going off to drill some other nickel targets as we're getting our resource finished here. So, yep, no, it's good to uh, to, to uh, get up to site once a month or so. Yeah, cool. So tell us tell me a bit about Timmins because it's a huge mining camp, right? There's a lot of companies, a lot of mines in there. Yeah, what do you have to contend with in terms of weather? Because you talked about it was it was wet. Is there cold as well? I mean, what, what are the conditions you have to work in? Yeah, no, I and mean, this is pretty classic, um, sort of what you see in Sudbury Timmins, the the uh, Abitibi region in Quebec. Um, so you have you know hot hot summers, sort of 20, 25 degree summers, but then you also have you know cold winters minus twenty five, minus thirty. Uh, again, since most of mining happens in that kind of temp- temperature range, you know there's no real issues. Um, you know mining underground or open pit in those conditions. Again, as you go further north, you know you can get up to you know minus forty degree temperatures for extended periods of time. But you know we don't have to contend with that. Um, you know the one issue in this area, and it extends over into the Abitibi area. Is is this this particular part's very flat, very flat, and um, was part of the bottom of a glacial lake um, for several thousand years. So there's a large thickness of, of swamp on top of it, um, of, of swampy material that's been logged multiple times. Um, but it just just makes it difficult at certain times of the year to to uh, to pull drilling equipment uh, through it. Okay. So, and unfortunately, it was a, a wetter than average spring and early summer here. So. Okay, I've never I've never been up there, um, so it, you know it's always interesting to understand the sort of the, the geology and the you know the physical structures um, there. But maybe one for another time. Um, here to talk about nickel weekly catch up on nickel. The price has done it again. What's happened? Another milestone has come and gone in this rally. Yeah, we're up over seven dollars a pound. Um, we're actually getting close to almost sixteen thousand dollars a ton. Um, this time it was a tag team effort. Um, you know, I've talked about momentum, fundamentals, and technical, and and generally a lot of the moves have either been kind of one or the other. But you know, today, you know, over the past week or so, what's really propelled it forward is um, there is a, a a private industry PMI out of China called Caxon. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing it properly, um, but you know, it showed um, it was it was it was very um, positive, and and again, just reinforces the fact that. The you know the reflation trade that's happening in China that's been been pushing the momentum buyers in into the metals um, is sort of continuing to broaden out. So it's not just the SOEs 
um, you're seeing sort of the broader business base feel more confident about the economy. So that news coming out basically gave the chance, you know, to for the um, those kind of buyers to basically bid the base metals again. So you saw copper move up. Um, you saw a, a bunch of other metals move up, and, and nickel moved up pretty, you know, pretty pretty dramatically. And then on top of it, um, there was. Um, some again continued strong fundamental news. Um, you know, out of the market, you had you know ore inventories. Again, this is the time of year that ore inventories need to build up ahead of the Philippine rainy season. Ore inventories actually dropped, even though Philippine ore exports you know did um, have show a pretty good year over year um, number. And so that just reinforces how strong nickel and stainless steel demand is in China. And again, you know, we're seeing the entire through supply chain for nickel and stainless do well. So ore prices are up, uh, uh, NPI prices are up. They were trading at a discount to the metal. Those have now closed and stainless steel prices are continuing to move higher. So, you know, other news flow on that front, you know, has basically also helped push nickel, you know, even, even move further than um, some of the other base metals have. So it's great. And it's actually, again, all, all the numbers are pointing in the right direction. There, there's some, some, um, some news coming out that maybe some of the larger NPI stainless players are stockpiling some of their own NPI to tighten up the market. Um, but we'll see again, the, the thing I would have investors do is focus on nickel pig iron prices. Cause that's, you know, in terms of the three legs of the stool that are most likely to, to sort of crumble would be uh, NPI supply out of Indonesia. And, and if that starts showing up more than, than the market can consume, it'll it'll get reflected in those NPI prices relative to, to the nickel prices. But but so far, everything's pointing in the right direction. So, you yeah, know, I think, uh, you know, if that continues, we'll, uh, we'll stay up at these these levels. And again, not, you know, there was, I did not think we would be, be here three months ago. Okay, so I mean, so that's, that's pretty interesting. And what's happening as a result of these fundamentals, this, this momentum, is that a lot of nickel companies are seeing heights that they've not seen in a long time before, attention being given to them, which they've not had for a, a long time. And as a consequence, you know, they're keen to put a lot of uh, news out there. And we're seeing a lot of news flow. You know, I couldn't help but notice of uh, legend mining and Blackstone Minerals in particular. And what do you think of what, what they're uh, telling the market? Yeah, no, I think, you know, again, the, the, the thing that's nice is with the spike in prices and, um, the, you know, sort of the Elon Musk sort of larger theme, um, you know, it is getting a lot more investors to look at it, you know, before people talk about the medium to long term. But the reality is a lot of investors need to see what's happening short term to feel confident to step into a story. And now with this big spike in nickel prices back up, $7 is putting nickel back on a lot of invest investors' radar. So yeah, no Blackstone, you know, Legend continues to get um, higher grade intersections at their uh, property in Australia. Uh, you know, we, fundamentally we need lots and lots of new new projects to be able to meet the nickel demand that's coming down the pipe here. Um, so Blackstone Minerals uh, is great. This, I don't think we've talk, really talked about them before. Um, it's a past producer in Vietnam. Uh, they picked it up a few years ago. Um, they've been drilling um, and continue to get decent intersections. You know, this was not a large mine, but, um, you know, a very profitable mine at the right right nickel price. And, you know, they're continuing to get exploration success on these new structures. Uh, the other part that's a fundamental shift from where this mine was before and hats off to these guys for getting a deal done was uh, they did a deal with EcoPro, who's one of the Korean of EV supply chain um, participants, who's 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 a, an up and coming player in that space, and that mine was always hobbled with a you know 25% export duty that the government had had placed on any shipments you know out of the mine there, and that really 
took a lot out of the economics. And so, you know, EcoPro is looking at putting a, a sulfate plant um, in, in country, um, which would then allow them to avoid having to pay that 25% export duty. So, yeah, no, I, you know, that's it's definitely an interesting story with uh, with the exploration uh, results, you know, coming through um, um, fairly consistently. And then, you know, the potential from this, um, you know, new downstream plant. So, um, you know, that's, you know, definitely one to keep an eye on. And again, I'm glad there's, you know, some more new nickel sulfide uh, uh, targets out there. So. so questions sent in actually by your followers, um, which is what other companies are compelling you um, or compelling to you in the nickel space at the moment? Obviously, you know, you've mentioned Blackstone Minerals there with their Vietnamese asset, yeah. but what are, what are the other names? Yeah, I think from a risk reward perspective, you know, at this point in time, you know, I think, um, you know, in terms of the higher grade nickel sulfide projects, um, you know, you see uh, Centaurus Metals out of Brazil. Um, they picked up a property from Valet, um, who was just couldn't get it to the scale that sort of would meet, you know, Valet scale requirements. And again, there's a long room from, you know, from zero and, you know, tens of billions of dollars. So you can have a very sizable nickel project. And so these guys have been focusing on the higher grade. They, they've got some very good drill results. It's kind of a unique type of uh, nickel mineralization. Um, but, you know, from everything I've seen and given the location that's there, you know, if you can open pit mine 1% nickel at a reasonable, uh, at a reasonable uh, strip ratio and you're in a good jurisdiction, like, you know, Brazil's on top of the list, but you know, they're in a mining, mining area in Brazil. You know, there's no reason why, you know, you couldn't see that that one um, advance towards production. So that's, you know, in the higher grade camp, you know, that's uh, definitely a great play. You know, the, the other ones in terms of, you know, people who want to pick up on the on the net zero nickel theme, you know, there's there's a handful of projects out in British Columbia that have been advanced um, at, to various stages like, you know, Giga Metals uh, and, and FPX. Uh, who have you know large lower grade mineral resources that are again hosted in the same kind of rock that we have um, uh, at Crawford, uh, and so um, you know th those stocks have <laughs> had a tremendous move in the last week or two. Um, but you know, but there's still a, a decent valuation gap versus where you know where we are at Crawford. So again, you know, if you believe in the EV theme, and you know, um, they are one of a handful of advanced stage nickel projects of any scale. So, you know, again, it's always good to sprinkle a few seeds as if you're an investor, you know, across a bunch of, of, of targets, um, you know, to, uh, uh, to to play a particular theme. So, Don't I mean, bet it all on one company. Well, absolutely. So if you, if you, if you're into nickel, you know, absolutely to, to spread the risk. Yeah. And another group of, of nickel companies have been talking about the, you know, earlier stage exploration companies is you've got um, basically a bunch of, production well, producers and production restart so western areas has been the go-to nickel stock for a long time it's been the you know consistent uh, producer um for the last 10 15 years and so um for a lot of investors that's that is a, a go-to nickel stock as a producer uh, you have poseidon nickel and mincor uh, mincor is in the process of restarting uh, a bunch of uh, smaller high-grade mines um, they've made a new discovery uh, down in the southern part of their holdings and and they're looking to restart uh, those operations over the coming year uh, the other uh, big story that's a, again a production restart but they're making some pretty interesting and some very high-grade um, nickel this uh, nickel uh, results is uh, Poseidon nickel uh, th this mine was one of the highest grade nickel mines that operated um, ever um, and you know they've they've uh, come up with some new targets and are generating some pretty sexy intersections in terms of, of grade and width 
um, that they've come through. So, um, you know, again, if you want a, a mix of expiration, earlier stage expiration and development, sort of mid-stage, you know, development production restart, um, and then, you know, the producers, you know, these Aussie names are all good. And then you've got the very large cap uh, nickel mines, uh, which is effectively a proxy stock on uh, Ching Shan's uh, Indonesian operation. So, um, at a one and a half billion dollar market cap. So uh, again, th there's you know those are a whole series of different ways that you could look look to play the nickel market uh, as things evolve here. Um, one of the other questions sent in was about sort of carbon sequestration, so carbon capture, which you're talking about with your net yeah. zero um, uh, idea that you, you've come up with. But this, like you said, you just said there's a few companies that can offer the same solution are you guys going to work together on this can you share the costs of it or is it going to be proprietary to each of you about how you go about doing it um i'm in pretty close contact with the ceos of those other companies again you know the key here is you know we want to provide you know the best set of investing assets for the investor base out there because again you know we feel that there aren't that many great ways to play nickel right now and and you know, as, as some of the stories that have, that are here, um, it's good to work together wherever possible. Um, they've been working on on certain studies on carbon capture. So, um, and I know FPX just announced they're working with a, a researcher out of BC to do some more, you know, at site field studies in terms of, you know, quantifying that carbon capture rate. Um, but, um, you know, again, stay tuned on that front. I, I would say, you know, we, we are definitely in conversations. It's still, we're only a few weeks in from, from that announcement. And, you know, I, I think it would make sense, you know, to, to sort of, you know, to pool our research. And we do share, you know, our progress on those fronts um, with each other um, when we can. Okay. And the reason I ask is because, you know, if you, if a company is to be seen as genuine about something such as, such as this, which is a sort of ESG type um, solution, you know, Net Zero is a great initiative, fantastic initiative. I know you've been approached by lots of companies, you know, not necessarily pure mining companies um, about it. So, um, I'd certainly like to hear, you know, how you miners are working together to come up with a better, greener solution for sure. I think I think it's a really big deal, not least of, of all because you sort of see the articles we saw this week in the Financial Times, which is a sort of financial newspaper here in the UK, I think reasonably good reputation. And I, sorry, did you see the article I'm about to refer to? We're talking, it's starting to talk about yes. nickel. Yeah, no, I did. Okay. So yeah. what was your reaction to that? No, I think it, it, it's great. You know, the, you know, we talked about, you know, net carbon with net zero. And in, in our announcement, we talked about some of the other environmental issues that are tied to some of the other, other forms of production. So it's been great to see, you know, sort of the mainstream business press really pick up on, on some of the key themes. You know, again, something like deep sea tailings was just, you know, I, I can't believe that, you know, you know, the, the things weren't being picked up on. Um, sooner, um, you know, and, and getting kind of the, the the attention that I think they think it, it deserves. And so, you know, it's great to see th these kind of publications actually writing in-depth, detailed stories um, and calling out some of the individual companies, you know, something I can't, uh, I certainly don't want to do, um, but they're, you know, they're in a position to be able to do that. So again, I think if that helps us as an industry end up making, you know, cleaner, greener nickel, um, you know, then, then all of us, you know, all of us will benefit from it. It, I, I found it like, like you, I found it extraordinary that no one's going to pick up, up on it up until now. But it has a much bigger effect than the industry regulating itself. It needs to be publicised because if something affects the share price, it seems to be the only time that people pay attention in this industry. You know, we've talked before about mining needing to 
clean its act up somewhat. So do you, I mean, do you welcome yep. these sorts of articles? Are these good for business? Well, again, I think so. Like, you know, in, in the end, you know, I think it's interesting if you look at what's happened to cobalt, right? So, you know, carb, cobalt's had its artisanal um, issues with the Congo. Um, you know, that was, you know, that was seen as, as a major, a major factor. And, and again, when, it had its, you know, day in the sun to be able to, you know, where the price went went up quite a bit, probably too far, too fast. Well, it did go too far, too fast. But, um, you know, in the end, people focused more on on those, uh, you know, those social environmental issues, you know, and and as a result, you just saw, you know, the the EV industry is, you know, fundamentally retooling and and very much accelerating their shift to lower cobalt batteries. So, you know, if you don't sort of you know, if you are not getting your industry into a position that it can really participate in a healthy way um, with your downstream customers, you know, then, you know, again, they'll eventually find a way, you know, to use something else that, you know, is is, is, is more in line with their values and, and how they want to proceed. So, you know, I think as an industry, it's critical, you know, again, that we continue to listen to the ultimate consumers of, of what it is we want to produce and, and make sure we're producing it in a way you know, that makes them feel good about using it. Because ultimately, if people want to use more nickel, then, you know, then we'll get a chance to mine more nickel. Okay. Someone sent in a question. We're asking a question around Voices Bay, right? Voices Bay. Yeah. Is, it, is it true that the grades were sort of 2 to 4%? And, and, and if so, why aren't there more mines like this now? Because the grades that a lot of the companies, including your, your, your company, which is Canada Nickel Corp., is about a tenth of that. You know, you're sitting at 0.3, 0.4, you know, those sorts of levels. So it's extraordinary. So wh- where are the next big nickel mines coming from with better grades? You know, that is, you know, that's the fundamental challenge facing the the, the industry is, you know, that Boise Bay was discovered in, in 1992. Um, you know, the last million ton plus high grade nickel reserve that was discovered was 1992. Um, you know, the next best one that's been found was Nova Bollinger in, in, in 2012, which was 300,000 tons. It was, you know, one-tenth of what Boise's Bay was, and they have to mine it underground. So your, your operating costs are probably close to five to ten times per ton what you'd be mining, uh, you know, at Boise's Bay. So, you know, there are companies that are getting good multi-percent intersection. So, again, those are the rare, one of the rarest commodities in the base metal space. So if any company you see finds a new discovery with multi-percent nickel in it, definitely, you know, pay attention to it. Um, the next challenge with those type of deposits, though, is to string a resource together, you know, that is higher grade, high grade enough and large enough, you know, to really make it uh, worthwhile, um, you know, to to develop a mine in whatever particular region um, you're, you're finding those type of deposits. So the reality is, um, you know, and again, the next question is, okay, why can't the existing producers just, you know, ramp up? Well, you know, the reality is Norilsk, Inco, Falconbridge, you know, Valley, Glencore, um, and Jinchuan, you know, m- most of their nickel sulfide resources several thousand feet down. Um, and so, you know, using the Boise's Bay analogy, the open pits now, you know, will be mined out here in the very near future, and they're going underground, and they're going to have to spend a billion and a half dollars to mine stuff at one and a half percent nickel. You know, with a mining cost per ton, mining milling cost per ton is probably close to 10 times um, what they, they mined it at the open pit rate. So, you know, when I talk about sort of the challenges facing the nickel industry, you know, in terms of finding nickel, particularly outside of Indonesia, you know, they are very real. They are very concrete. And there's not, you know, a, oh, we just need to do X and magically, 
you know, 5% additional supply will come out of, out of Canada or Australia or Russia, uh, you know, in, in the short term. So, the, I mean, that's, that's really interesting. It's really interesting. So basically, I know you said earlier, like there's room for everyone here because there just isn't enough nickel around. So, you know, and, I'm not, you're competitive. You've got to be competitive as a CEO, but you you genuinely believe that that it's best for the industry as a whole if you all can mine economically because we're not going to be able to meet the the shortfall that's coming. Yeah, we 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 need you know a on multiple levels. Yeah, there's just fundamentally from a supply demand perspective, you know, there's just not. I mean, again, in particular, a sort of cleaner, greener nickel. There's just very little of that coming down the pipe, and there's very little in general coming. And then, you know, from an investor perspective, you know, you need to have as an industry, you know, have a market cap that's large enough to make it interesting to the largest type of investors who sort of deploy large sums of capital if you ultimately want to start building building mines. So, you know, the again, I you know, the best thing for this industry is to have more stories come to the forefront. Um, so that sort of investable base in the in the nickel market. You know, is large enough to attract the kind of investors that we want to help us. You know, go right through, um, you know, in, into production going forward. So all the stories you're seeing in terms of Chalice and Legend and Centaurus, you know, we all need to be trying to fire on all cylinders here um, to you know, to uh, to get more money into the industry as a whole. So jurisdictional risk, okay? Because I think again, again, another question sent in by someone, which was, have any of the automotive groups come in? Uh, to Canada and backed any nickel place, and I guess that that's that comes from saying, well, nickel. I say Canada is surely one of the safest jurisdictions to do mining. Okay, but as we've just described today, you've talked about Brazil, you've got Vietnam, um, you know, as, as other jurisdictions which these these mines are at, but. No one seems to be that I'm aware of stepping in and saying I, I need to buy nickel at source. It's they're going to buy in the open market at some point. So, are you aware of any other any groups coming into Canada and perhaps trying to sew up or capture this this uh, flow of nickel? Well, I know you know firsthand that there have been groups you know <laughs> coming to Canada, but the, the challenge is 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 twofold. One, you know, a big chunk the, the existing production is basically tied up with you know Valet and Glencore and. You know, they don't really need any extra money from the downstream supply chain. They will bring nickel to to the market when they when they want to, you know. And then, and then the issue with the um, with the other um, uh, development stage projects, including ours, is you know, typically they like to you know come in when the project's been largely de-risked, when you've got your you know final feasibility study done, or you're well down the path to having a final feasibility study done. And so you know there aren't any other projects that are sort of sitting at that stage right now. So I think as people get their projects closer to that goal, you know, you you will see uh, checkbooks uh, opening up. Uh, and again, you know, coming back to Elon Musk and Tesla, you know, as I said earlier, you know, the, the industry needs to provide, you know, some visibility to the market as to what their their requirements are, you know, and or start writing checks themselves, you know, if they want the nickel to show up uh, in time. You know, it's either it's either a it's either A or B um, if you want the nickel. Okay, so Mark, just to round things off. Um, if I come almost full circle here with regards to the nickel price, it, it's much higher than you thought it would be, and than anyone thought it would be at, at this time. Is yeah. it? And, and I appreciate what you said about the fundamentals and momentum at the beginning, but do you feel that the price is a rather synthetic one? I mean, what's going to happen for the rest of this year? 
Yeah, no, it, it's it's tricky. Uh, again, you know, the way to think about it is, you know, we've now just gone over seven dollars a pound, and and you know, about two months ago, we were talking about it going over six dollars a pound, and I thought it was overdone at, at that point in time. So, you know, as an investor there today, you know, should you start to put to money to work in the nickel space, you know, or not, you know, um, you know, is nickel going to go to eight dollars, or is it going to go to six dollars a pound next, right? And so, um, the, the 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 tough part here is. Uh, again, it comes down to that that triangle that I keep talking about. So again, I would encourage people to do as much research on that as possible. So it's Chinese demand, it's ore supply from the Philippines, and then it's and it's nickel pig iron production out of out of Indonesia is is you know how those the corners of that triangle. Um, right now, all three for the last few weeks have been pointing up, and we've seen that the nickel price uh, you know continue to move higher. So um, you know what. What to look for um, if, in terms of, you know, how how do we get to eight dollars a pound? Well, what you would look to see is one, you know, are we continuing to see ore stockpiles in China um, flatten or drop in advance of the October rainy season? So, you know, if that that trend continues, that's you know one push, you know, moving things higher. Uh, the second thing that I would watch for is, you know, again, if there's a surge of nickel pig iron production out of Indonesia, which again, there's a bunch of capacity coming on, you know, through the end of the year, again, people thought what was coming on already was going to flood the market and it, it has not done that. Um, and so, um, you know, if, if that NPI production comes to market, the way where you'll see it is if you see nickel pig iron discounts can start to widen out or, um, or, or, or stay basically flat with, with the current nickel price. So, um, you know, we're, we're around flat with the nickel price now. And if that continues through the end of the year to be flat with the nickel price, then again, we will, you know, that'll be push it towards $8. And then, you know, the other piece is just in looking at terms of Chinese demand. So, you know, we'll continue to get month, um, monthly year over year Chinese 300 series stainless production. Um, we'll, we'll get other PMI information like we're getting there and not just from China, but now the rest of the world is starting on its recovery curve. Um, and, if, and again, if those continues, you know, to be, you know, very strong numbers on a year over year basis, then, yeah, there's, you know, you know, uh, I, th I think it'll be tough to get to eight dollars right now. But that's that's those are the kind of things that will keep us above seven and heading towards eight between now and year end. Conversely, you know, you know, what would we see to see prices drop to six dollars a pound? You know, one is, you know, we see, um, you know, those Filipino ore inventories finally starting to build because it means that the Chinese stainless industry is not starting to sh shrink a little bit. The, the growth is starting to slow down a little bit. Um, you're, you will see um, um, or, or supply if, if, if the Philippines can do more than people expect, that will also end up in the inventory pile. So again, if you start to see inventories build, uh, again, a small build should be there because um, we need it. Um, but if it starts to really rock it up, then, you know, that's a warning sign that, okay, maybe we're going to head back to $6 a pound here. Uh, the other thing, and again, I think this is the most likely risk is this, you know, additional nickel pig iron production out of Indonesia. If that starts flooding into the, the um, country and you start to see that discount really drop down, um, really widen out. And again, last fall, when I you know, came on, um, first time we talked um, with Canada Nickel, 
I said, look at, you know, $18,000 a ton was not sustainable. There's no way we're going down to $13,000 a ton by December. And the reason I could be so emphatic about that was the gap between Indonesian NPI prices and nickel prices was $4,000 a ton. So that kind of gave you a better view of sort of where the real, you know, physical market was trading at. So, and right now it's at zero. So we're very close to zero. So if that starts to widen out dramatically, you know, good chance nickel prices are heading back to six bucks. And then again, on the Chinese demand front, you know, that, that um, you know, July number was a massive 17% year over year, 300 series stainless production growth. You know, if that starts trending down to six, you know, six, five, four, three percent, you know, and the demand looks like it's losing its steam, you know, that's another, another one that's going to take us back down to six bucks. So again, I think, uh, I think right now I, my call would be, I think, or inventories and Chinese demand um, will be stronger than people expect, and NPI um, um, will be will be um, will be stronger than um, people expect as well. So that we'll end up with kind of a sort of a two to one, um, and that you know we, we will end up consolidating at a level here, you know, some somewhere around seven bucks before um, you know as we as we cruise as we cruise into year end. So that's my best guess at the, where the market's going to be between now and year end. It's exciting times for mining. I mean, that, that, that paints a great picture for nickel. And if you're a nickel investor, you should, you know, obviously great, great advice, great insight there from you. But the market as a whole, not just precious metals and not just base metals, but people are paying attention. You know, you look at the FT article, although it's you know slightly negative aspect of it, but people looking back into mining in a way they haven't done for the last two or three years. I mean, it's it's only good for the industry as a whole, which is sort of struggle with funding. Um, but there's also this, I have this nervousness about people just not quite knowing, coming into the industry, not quite knowing what they're looking for and investing in projects which perhaps aren't as strong as others. And there's, you know, it's a bit grayer. Yeah, yeah. No, and, and again, you know, last May, when we, we started this weekly series and we made that sort of China macro call, you know, again, you know, a lot of base metal stocks have gone a long way since then. But uh, again, I would, you know, encourage people, you know, you haven't missed out. You know, you have multiple legs in these types of cycles. You've just missed the first leg. Um, you know, the, the next move up higher here is, um, you know, will, you know, should be coming based on where we're seeing the various commodity prices are at. But, you know, again, you're probably... You know, in those early stage, you want the highest torque names possible, the highest cost producers. So earlier stage, because that, um, you know, th that sort of gives you the, the sort of first torque. And then what happens is it, it starts to trickle down to explorers. You know, people need need to find some interesting exploration development stories. Um, and then you want to also start to look at cash flow, because as the prices are high, you as an investor want to see some of that money, you know, come back at you. So you you, mer you move up into some maybe some better, better um, quality producers and you move into some um, earlier stage uh, exploration development stories. And that's kind of where we're heading now. If you see you know, what's happened in the gold market, you know, there's been a bunch of financings for the exploration development stages, stage companies. Um, and I think, you know, you'll, you'll see something like that evolve here over, you know, between now and the end of the year in, in the uh, in the base metals, base metal side as well. So. Beautiful. Mark, great weekly uh, run through the world of nickel with you as ever. 
And thank you very much. Um, how are things going with you guys? You're obviously up in Timmins. You're you're looking forward to a little bit more drilling. When when's the next set of information that we're going to hear from you? Yeah, we'll have sort of weekly news here right through till the resource comes out uh, mid September. Um, you know, we're heads down on the PEA, which will be there by year end. So there'll be a bunch of you know engineering trade off studies and so forth as well that'll that'll come through um, over the next next couple months. So. Uh, again, it's uh, it's it's very exciting times, and you know we're able to get access to parts of the property um, uh, now that we weren't able to through the spring. So, um, you know, very keen to see those particular drilling results come out in the next 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 couple of weeks here. Fantastic! We'll catch you next week, Mark. Have a great time up there in Timmins, and uh, thank you again for today. Well, sir, have a great week. Take care. Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed the interview, why not subscribe to Cruxcast? or our website, cruxinvestor.com, and of course, our YouTube channel, Crux Investor. Plus, you can catch us most days on Twitter and LinkedIn. We really love getting your feedback, so please keep it coming, and we'll speak to you again soon.